I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often. So stop leaving sales on the table, switch your business to Shopify today, and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Hi there, Prakoptan. I hope you are well, and I hope your character is even weller. Anyway, today I have a few people to thank. New members of the Actual Stoicism Patreon. If you've missed this announcement, I've created a Patreon account for those who would like to support my work, my broader work, more directly. And by that, I don't mean this podcast. Actually, I don't mean that at all. I mean the other work I do outside of this podcast. The articles, the videos, the essays, the community, etc. You can support this podcast by becoming an ad-free listener at stoicismpod.com forward slash members. But supporting my broader work in the Stoicism community for $5 a month through Patreon gets you access to exclusive live chats, special Discord channels, a discount on our store items, a shout out on the podcast and your name forever engraved on my supporter page, plus my undying gratitude for whatever that's worth. So today I am thanking Jeffrey Howard, Miguel Espana, Wanda Gorton, Julia Coveton, Archie, Matthew Saari, Trish Colby, Lizzie, Nancy Mayhew, Shrike, Ryan Hackamer, Alex Ortscheidt, TB the DBA, Selena Goods, Jeffrey Bernstein, Joshua Dennis, Benjamin Vanderberg, Amy Coconiemi, Kathy Grant, Christina Kaufman, and Pedro. Thanks, Pedro. You are all terrific, and without your support, my work is not sustainable. So you're also, in a way, directly responsible for my work getting to those who cannot afford to support it. And that makes you pretty sage-like in my book. If you're not currently supporting my work and would like to, please go to actualstoicism.com forward slash support. Okay, today's episode features meditation number 18 from book 5, which reads as follows. Nothing befalls anything which that thing is not naturally made to bear. The same experience befalls another, and he is unruffled and remains unharmed either because he is unaware that it has happened or because he exhibits greatness of soul. Is it not strange that ignorance and complacence are stronger than wisdom? 
Now, before I dive in here, just a very quick note that it appears the last few words of this meditation are lost or indecipherable. That's indicated by a few trailing dots at the end of the last word. At least, I think that's what those dots mean. I'm not sure if those missing words would really change the point Marcus was making to himself here, but there you go. Now you know. The Christian version of nothing befalls anything, which that thing is not naturally made to bear, is God never gives you more than you can handle. So this first portion of the meditation may sound familiar to you, but there's a nuanced difference that I want to make sure I point out. The Christian God is supernatural, and I'm not picking on the Christian God here, I'm just using it as an easy example. And when the Christian God gives you something to bear, he does so almost like a challenge or a task that you must overcome or complete in order to fall in line with his often mysterious plans. So the things that happen to you as a Christian, again, for example, if you are a Christian and believe such things, may be natural in form, because we humans exist in the natural world, but they are supernatural in origin. Contrast this with Stoicism. In Stoicism, what happens to you is only that which is capable, within nature, of happening at all. This is already different for a reason I didn't mention earlier. The Christian God can suspend the laws of physics and nature to make anything happen, though some contemporary Christians no longer believe this, instead believing that God has to operate within the bounds of natural law. This is not the case in Stoicism. In Stoicism, only natural things can happen. So that's difference number one. Difference number two, which I think is the more useful difference or practical difference to keep in mind, is that supernatural gods, as in Christianity's, for example, design the things that happen to you, and they do this with intention and with desired outcomes in mind. The Christian God has a plan. The Stoic God has no such premeditated conceptualization going on when things happen to you. In Stoicism, when things happen to you, they happen because of where you are, when you are, how you are, and who you are. Not as punishment or reward, but as a result of literally where you are, when you are, how you are, and who you are. The things that happen to me, for example, while I'm standing in the middle of my street, can only happen to me because I'm standing in the middle of my street. Because it's me standing in the middle of the street and not someone else, because of the particular position in which I am standing in the middle of my street, and because I'm there at the right time for the thing that's happening at that same time to happen to me. Is that confusing? I will say it differently. Supernatural gods send events to you. In Stoicism, you send yourself to the events, and then you navigate them in whatever way your character allows you to. So nothing befalls you that you are not naturally made to bear because, partially, only natural things can happen to you. You are a natural thing, and so dealing with natural things is quite literally all you can do. But the use of the word bear here is awkward, because certainly if a sadistic maniac dumps a bucket of lava on my head, I will not bear that. I will die instantly, which seems like the opposite of bearing something. But bear doesn't mean our physical bodies or even our consciousness can survive anything and everything. Marcus is instead talking about our character bearing the load of anything that might happen to us and our not turning towards vice in response to whatever that thing is that's happening. 
So we won't live through being thrown into a pit of lava, as a ridiculous example, but we can, hypothetically anyway, not, while being thrown into a pit of lava, behave in a vicious way. So the first line of this meditation is telling us we are natural things, only natural things happen to us, and our character is capable of resisting vice no matter the dispreferred nature of the natural things that happen to us. The same experience befalls another, and he is unruffled and remains unharmed, either because he is unaware that it has happened or because he exhibits greatness of soul. I think we can, for our purposes today anyway, swap out soul for character. Marcus does mean soul. I'm not trying to gloss over that, but the greatness of a soul is expressed through character, so I'm going to use the terms interchangeably today because soul is a little too wooey a word for me personally. When something happens to you, you behave in XYZ fashion, and let's imagine that fashion is vicious. Let's further imagine that the thing that happens is that your partner dies of cancer. Your reaction is to kill all the doctors who couldn't save them. But that same exact thing, with as exactly similar circumstances as possible, happens to Becky. And she does not kill a bunch of doctors. She, instead, mourns the loss appropriately and creates a small online community for women who have lost their partners to cancer. This grows into a book club, which grows into a nonprofit, which donates money to cancer research, and this results in the eventual discovery of a cure for the cancer that killed Becky's partner. Now, this is a very out there example, right? I'm being extreme intentionally. But why did person A go on a killing spree and person B wind up funding the cure for a specific cancer? Again, imagining the circumstances were as near to identical as possible. The only answer can be, according to the Stoics, that the character of these two individuals were different. One was predisposed to act one way, viciously, and the other another way, virtuously, or at least appropriately. Now, certainly, modern medicine and psychology would have a lot to say about mental health disorders and the example I just gave, and we should listen to what they have to say. But the fact remains, in normative circumstances, a person acts the way they act because of what they've been conditioned to believe is appropriate and correct. It is the internal characteristics of a person that determine how they will behave ultimately. So it's important to be paying attention, remember that word, prosike, to our character before something we need a strong character to bear crops up in our lives. Is it not strange that ignorance and complacence are stronger than wisdom? That's a fair question, and no, it's not strange. Before you found this podcast, or Stoicism more broadly, you'd probably been told, at least a few times in your life, that it's important to be a good person. But did you have a definition of what good person meant? Did you have a framework to understand so that you could work towards being that good person, whatever that was? Very likely not. Now imagine that 5 million people have listened to this podcast, which they have. How many people is 5 million compared to the, what, nearly 8 billion people on Earth? I don't even think it's one half of 1%. So it's not strange that ignorance and complacence are stronger than wisdom because imagining this podcast were the sole source of stoicism on earth, which of course it isn't, not even 1% of people on earth are being taught stoicism. And here's a fun anecdote. I don't know how useful it is, but every Uber ride I have ever had 
since starting this podcast. The conversation seems to always turn to what I do for a living. And you kind of know how this is if you've ever been in a taxi or an Uber. There are only so many things that a driver and a passenger are going to discuss to avoid an awkward, silent ride. And what you do for a living and where you're from and those things are kind of the things that crop up all the time, right? When they ask this, I will tell them that I create a podcast for a living. And if they know what podcasts are, which more often than not they do, they'll ask what kind of podcast. And I will say it's a philosophy podcast. And then they will ask what kind of philosophy. And I will say stoicism. And I am not kidding you. None of them ever, not once, at least not once that I can remember, have known what stoicism was. And that's great from a marketing perspective, because I now get to discuss stoicism and my podcast to this person who doesn't know what stoicism is. But it's always very shocking to me that no one I ever get into an Uber with knows what stoicism is, because in my world, it seems like it's everywhere. Now, I have been in Ubers in almost every state in the U.S., just to give you an example of how many interactions this might add up to, in Scotland, England, and the Philippines. And in not one has the driver known what stoicism was. Now, of course, that's a very small sample size, right? Maybe only a thousand people, probably less. But how many people do you think know what stoicism is? The reason ignorance and complacence are more common than wisdom is because no one is taught, and I mean really taught, that wisdom is important. Virtue ethics just aren't on the table in our normative education experience. Instead, people seem to be taught to covet indifference and externals, or to avoid indifference or externals, or to view those things as negative or bad. And if Marcus thought it was strange in the second century CE that ignorance and complacence were so widespread when compared to wisdom, He should be very glad that he died in 180 and well before, well, while I'm wildly motioning to everything around me with my arms, all of this. Thanks for listening today, Prakaptan. I appreciate you. Remember, if you'd like to get rid of ads in this podcast, you can do so for $2.99 a month by going to stoicismpod.com forward slash members. And if you'd like to support my broader work more directly, you can go to actualstoicism.com forward slash support and support me on Patreon. Thanks again to those new patrons mentioned at the outset. And until next time, take care. Take care.